You're listening to The Robin Tristan Show. Today's episode is brought to you by RefBox. RefBox, keeping your kids in bounds. Good day, everybody. We're uh, back, and today we're doing, I guess, what became an accidental part two in the top 10 things that you may not have known could be hacked. When we last were on, we'd made it, I think, to number six. So we'll be continuing from there. Any thoughts on the last show or anything uh, we didn't cover that you uh, thought of over the break there, Tristan? I didn't think of anything that we didn't cover or, you know, any afterthoughts. I was like, oh, I wish I had said that. But remind me again, what were the first five items that we had covered in the first episode? Sure. Okay. So uh, number one was any device in your body. And that was in reference to pacemakers, insulin meters, and so on. Number two was toilets. We talked about a toilet that um, runs wirelessly and can be connected to through Bluetooth. Number three was uh, emergency broadcast systems, which, of course, people have been having problems with them popping up, explaining that zombies have come up. Number four is hospital equipment. Number five was smart homes. And then number six was gas pumps. Okay, so we actually covered six in the last episode. That makes sense, yeah. But those were all six items that maybe the common person wouldn't believe could actually be hacked. Yeah, I know. I I didn't believe it. (laughs) That was, uh, it was all news to me when I was doing the research. So I guess uh, without further ado, we jump right into the rest of the list. Number seven is airport security. It turns out that x-ray scanners and itemizers, which are the things that they can check for explosives, you know, the little wand they wipe your belt or your laptop with and, and so on, both of those can be and have been hacked. The problem there, of course, is they can actually control an x-ray to block out specific things. So if someone had access to the x-ray, they could um, help conceal a weapon or any type of contraband the individual might be going through the x-ray scanner with. And then, of course, an itemizer could be told to give a false uh, status on a, uh, a swipe when in actuality they would have found explosive on something. So it's a concern. One of the dumb things about it, much like we talked about the hospital equipment, is many of those still have the same default passwords on them, making them easier to hack. And again, they've been encouraged to leave the passwords as they stand because it's easier for the companies that service them to access them for service. These are security things I'm sure they're changing now, but um, historically a number of these have been hacked either by researchers or in some cases by actual hackers. There is some experts I found online, just a quote from them, where they believe that certain airports have actually already been entirely breached and that there's Trojans in the equipment that can be controlled by an outside source. They did name one airport in particular. I'm just not going to do that. But that was one of them. So thoughts on that? I don't personally have experience with that equipment or those security measures. But again, I wouldn't be surprised. And even the attitude towards it, even when you're thinking of something about security and yet still has default passwords or manufactured passwords on them, that doesn't surprise me. I see it time and time again across different platforms. And at some point, you just never cease to be amazed as to even on uh, what is supposed to be a secure environment doesn't take into some basic security methods that people apply to their Gmail accounts, which is to use strong passwords, right? One thing I would be interested in, and you didn't mention this, was the screeners. I mean, the ionizers or the x-ray machines are one thing, and to be able to compromise those so that they would 
not see something that you'd want to try to hide past security. But the other one is the screeners, right? Those booths you walk into and you put your arms up and it scans you for three seconds. I mean, basically you can see right through your clothes and it takes an image of that. I'd be interested to know if those could be compromised and not only manipulated, but then also maybe get a copy of those images because those images are sensitive in nature. So um, I'm uh, not sure. Yeah, I'm sure that's a concern of plenty of people too. On the topic of airports, I will say that they are a hotbed for hackers, especially the public Wi-Fi. Anytime you want to know if something is secure or not, hook it up to the public Wi-Fi at an airport. You'll find out pretty fast if it got hacked. <laughs> um, it's just a hotbed. It is a, a little bit of a hot spot for hackers to come and converge and jump on. And they just get down to so many different devices and compromise them. I had a friend recently who jailbroke his iPhone, which was against my advice, but he did it anyways. And he didn't set any of the default passwords differently or anything like that. So him and his wife went on a trip and they came back. And he says they were back for a couple of days and it's like three o'clock in the morning. And all of a sudden his wife's phone goes off with an email from him. And of course he's sleeping next to her. And so she looks at the phone and realizes it's some spam message and his phone had gotten a malware on it. And they were starting to use his phone to spam out. That had happened because he'd gone through a hotspot at an airport. So, wow. so I'm not surprised with the security items, but also just as a public service announcement, if you will, be very careful on the airport Wi-Fi's. Yeah, no doubt. I guess I wouldn't connect to anything that you want to keep secure at the very least. Yeah, um, it can be hacked pretty quickly. I mean, when you have like default products, so an iPhone that's not compromised, like that's not jailbroken, or even Android devices and things like that, if you have kind of off-the-shelf products, even Macs and PCs and stuff, uh, the security on them is pretty adequate to prevent against those those types of hacks. They can still get hacked, but it's much, much more difficult. And, and from my experience... The hackers at these airports typically go for the lower hanging fruit. So somebody that has jailbroken their phone but hasn't actually changed the password, things like that. It's it's not like putting it on a Starbucks Wi-Fi. It's airports are a hotbed. All right. Well, staying with the airport theme, the next one in the list, number eight, is airplanes. This researcher actually went out and got a hold of a bunch of aviation equipment, and he set up sort of his own plane for an experiment, and he was able to prove very clearly that security on the plane, as far as the computer systems were concerned, was quite weak because he was able to actually hack most things with just his mobile phone. And there was actually an IT expert. His name's Chris Roberts. He claims that while he was on a plane as a passenger, he was able to connect into the uh, entertainment system through his laptop. And he was actually able to order the plane to climb. And supposedly the plane climbed upward or it fired up the engine's faster for a moment and then he was able to stop it but not before it had climbed some distance i couldn't actually find any evidence that that was true i'm wondering if the pilots didn't notice it and he just claimed it later when they didn't think they'd be able to nail down when it happened or if he made it up but at least according to this one guy he was able to get into the entertainment system and actually get up onto the the console and give the plane orders so i found that one terrifying to be honest since everybody's now using computers on planes any thoughts on that one so there's been a lot of news about this. First and foremost, anybody that wants to try to hack planes and stuff like that, don't do it. <laughs> you will get into some very um, 
tricky laws <laughs> that you'll be breaking very, very quickly, even just threatening to get onto a plane and compromise the systems or attempt to compromise the systems can at a minimum get you off the plane, but also get you into some federal law issues. So just as a forewarning, don't even try it. And so with that being said, I have not tried it. So I don't know how easy <laughs> it is. And I'm not an expert in the systems either. I mean, I understand computers and technology and industries, how they work, but I haven't personally worked on, you know, Wi-Fi's on the planes or um, the actual computer systems that control the planes. However, in my research, those computers do lack a certain level of security. However, they've always been a closed system. You've never been able to connect to them. There was no Wi-Fi, for example. You know, you had to physically go to the computer on the plane and plug in in order to be able to manipulate it. So that's kind of was their main form of security is that it's not on the internet and it's not on computers. Then Wi-Fi started getting introduced into the planes and there's been a lot of rumors about using that Wi-Fi to connect to these control computers. And that has never actually been confirmed. So that story that you were saying about where somebody was able to get through the entertainment system and actually cause the airplane to climb, there have been lots of rumors about something like that happening, but no actual evidence that I've ever seen come out and say they've been able to actually compromise or change the flight path based off that. The only confirmed hacking that I have seen has to do with a flight plan being sent to the plane. I think it has a lot more to do when the plane is on the ground than in the air, but either way, the plane can receive a flight plan from, we'll call it dispatch, I'm not really sure, but the airline will send the flight plan to the plane and says, you know, this is how you get from point A to point B, and this is your altitude, and and all that other stuff. Um, And that can be compromised, and that has caused some airlines to ground their planes for hours on end while that system gets fixed. Um, However, they have never been able to compromise the plane's trajectory or destination or anything like that because the pilots still have to accept that flight plan. So if you know a flight's going from New York to LA and then all of a sudden somebody wants to detour that to Toronto, the pilots will see that come into the system and say, well, that's not where we're going and can reject it. So it's not just you know accepted automatically. But apparently there's an inherent security flaw that those plans can be sent. And I'm not sure if that's been fixed yet or not. So this is all to say, I'm not surprised, but uh, airline security, specifically around the computers that go into the planes and how much is controlling them, is definitely getting a lot of attention right now, both in the industry and in the press. Actually, it just made me think of a story I read yesterday where they were talking about the fact that there's a couple of airports that are still using Windows 3.1 to control their weather systems and that there's a number of schools that are also using uh, the same uh, Windows 3.1 now on what they cited the headline is 40-year-old computer uh, runs airport (laughs) communications. Um, They meant specifically one or two systems, but it struck me as as, uh, incredulous that such old technology could still be used for things like weather systems, weather information for pilots. Um, So I actually would guess that if they're using technology that old, it may not be that hard to even access systems like those and then send something like a flight plan or something. That's a kind of another technology trait. You know, we talked about how passwords never get changed, even in security systems such as uh, x-rays and whatever, they still leave the default passwords. That's a trait that you'll see across the board. Another trait that you'll often see, especially in larger industries such as like air travel, is older technology that works that never changes. So I'll give you an example. If you go on board a plane, if you ever take a look at the, the passenger list that gets sent from the terminal into the plane, it's printed off one of those older papers 
papers that is just like a reel of paper that's perforated on the side and it has to like run it through like a monocomb printer. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it's these really, really old 80s printers that once you've printed it off, you tear it off and then you tear off the sides and yeah. then now you have your paper, right? And those printers, it's what, 2015, almost 2016, and we're still using those printers in every airport across at least North America that I've seen. And it's just one of those that's tried and true and it's just going to keep going and going and going. And so I wouldn't be surprised if there are some old Windows computers or older technology elsewhere that is critical to communications or flight plans or whatever. And those are major security vulnerabilities. And actually, I've worked for, I think for my own safety, I won't say their name, but I worked for a telco once and they had a system that was actually built in the 80s. And, uh, and it was horrifyingly old and it dropped notes from account interactions and that all the time. And it was horrible. Someone would call in and say, well, I've just spoken to three or four reps. Don't you have these notes? And you'd go in and if you could get it to load, you'd <laughs> try to look at the notes section and like half the text would be missing or it, it would have gone into some weird ASCII looking format. I guess it, it runs across the board, but the same thing there is they had paid so much money to get that put in place in the first place that they were in no hurry to change the system over. And by no hurry, I mean that was 2005. And at last I've heard, I still have some friends who work there, they're still mostly using that system for at least one of the lines of business. So pretty incredulous, but... It's a very common trait, even if it has some flaws or limitations to it, if for the most part it works, then uh, they'll keep it. And that's just, that's a pretty common trait. And there's good reasons for that and bad reasons for that, but it's not surprising to hear that some very, very old technology is still running the systems. I'll give you another example, and this is along the airlines route. There was one issue that I had heard about the uh, do not fly list, and that its only capability was to put a name on it. So they can only put Rob Case or Tristan Bolton on the list. That's it. They put those names on the list. Anybody named Tristan Bolton or Rob Case cannot fly. End of story. No date of birth, no passport origin, no nothing. And it was the government's position that this is not changeable. We are not capable of of improving the system beyond having just a name. My understanding is that it has since recently been improved, but that wasn't so long ago that they had that challenge. Meanwhile, you know, I mean, look at how much technology has changed and they can have more than a name in a database. So there are other limitations around the do not fly list that pertains to security that we're not going to go into for obvious reasons. But the government and, and any large industries, airline travel, and especially when airline travel and governments are so entwined for safety and security reasons, you will see technology's advancements be very, very slow. All right, so moving on to number nine, and this one is cars. One of the most recent examples actually happened this year with the Jeep. They were launching a Jeep. It's got Wi-Fi capability in that. So I don't know what this actually is, but the researchers used something called a zero-day exploit, and they were able to gain full wireless control of the Jeep. So they were actually able to control most of the functions. Now, the other part of it, there was another story where they set up a journalist in the Jeep and got him to drive. And the guy was actually doing about the equivalent of about 110 kilometers an hour down a highway. And um, they were actually able to get in. They uh, took control of his windshield wipers. They changed his music. They even projected an image of themselves with the words, you're doomed, onto the interior display of the navigation in the, the vehicle. Then at one point, they were able to apply the brakes. 
And in another instance, uh, as they'd gotten him slowed down considerably, they cut his brakes, causing the journalist to actually ditch the Jeep. Now, it all sounds kind of terrifying, but the journalist had volunteered to be a part of it so they could show him what they could really do. But it was kind of a quick lesson and may have triggered a, a bit of a recall action by Jeep, if I recall. But a quick lesson of how dangerous it could be these days uh, with so many computer systems throughout the vehicles that someone can actually get in and control major portions. Like the steering is now uh, linked to a power supply that's linked to a computer and the brakes are linked with the computer and, and so on. So the other part was they were actually able to cut the transmission. So I imagine if you're doing 110 flying down, say the 401, and, uh, and someone decided to just suddenly cut your transmission and you're right in the middle of the road, you're probably in all kinds of trouble. I sort of already knew a little bit myself that they were potentially hackable. What I didn't know was to what extent, like the idea that they could cut your brakes, that blew my mind. It, it makes me a little nervous about my new car. <laughs> Any thoughts on that? So again, I'm not surprised, but I also wouldn't be surprised that others would be surprised to find out that cars can be hacked, even cars today, not self-driving cars of the future. So first off, you mentioned it was a zero-day exploit. Uh, that's just a fancy word for basically saying it was an exploit that's not yet known to the vendor. So whoever the software author is, whether that's Jeep themselves or they outsourced it, they aren't aware of that vulnerability, which is why uh, it's called a zero-day exploit. Well, just for clarification, so that means that they call it zero day because officially as of that day, that would be the start of them now knowing about the exploit? No, it's called zero day because the author of the software has zero days to mitigate the threat. Oh, I get They it. don't know about it. Yeah. So therefore, they can't advise against it. They can't patch it. They can't anything like that. So that's just an industry term for a type of exploit versus, say, known threats that are out there that have already been patched, but uh, maybe people running old software or something hasn't had a chance to do that yet. Yeah, I'll admit I'm a little bumped because um, such an ominous term, like zero day exploit. I was like, ooh, you know, that <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, that sounds pretty serious, whatever that is. So now I know it's just referencing, you know, someone's reaction time to a potential issue in their own work. Essentially, it's just an exploit that the software vendor doesn't know about. But going on to cars getting hacked and in your specific scenario, again, I'm not surprised. Um, I drive a BMW and even those cars, I should say, that are more technical, those traits are starting to come into a lot more mainstream cars. And, you know, when I push on the gas... I'm actually not pushing a cable that opens the the flow into the engine, right? I'm, I'm just telling the computer I want to go faster, and the computer controls all of that. Um, if I push the brake, it's the same idea. I don't exactly know how much the brake is physically connected to the car versus through the computer. I'm not a mechanic, but a lot of it is computer-driven, steering, all of that other stuff. So anything that's computer-driven can be exploited. Anything that goes on the internet can likely be exploited, and my car is on the internet. I can send commands to it. I can lock it, unlock it. I can find out where it is. I can do all of these things from apps or from the computer, and they are all interconnected. So while I'm not aware of any security exploits for my car in particular, I would not be surprised if there are some out there, and if somebody was vigilant enough, they could do something with that. So yeah, cars and computers is, is relatively new. Security around them is generally absent. They're only just recently starting to get on top of that. But uh, yeah, you can get into some pretty dangerous stuff when you take over those computers. 
on the other hand, though, I could see there'd be a lot of fun. And if I could find a way to access your car and change your horn to play La Cucaracha every time you hit the <laughs> hit the wheel or something like that, it'd make for some good pranks. But yeah, otherwise, I find this all quite terrifying. Yeah, and there's a lot of different ways it can be a threat, right? You have to remember hackers, they have all different kinds of motives. But sometimes it can just be a prank, right? I want the horn to sound funny. Sometimes it could be I want to actually cause physical harm. So I'm going to stop your transmission while you're doing 60 miles an hour on an interstate, right? Or it could be blackmailing, right? So for instance, we might put uh, a malware on all Jeeps that are out there and have it kind of spread like a virus, but it doesn't do anything. And then, you know, two days before it does something, which is, I don't know, changes all the horns or, you know, resets the odometer or something like that. You email Jeep and say, give me $5 million. I can tell you how to fix this before it goes crazy or, you know, it's just going to go its own way. And there's all different kinds of ways those systems can get used against either individuals or corporations. Okay, so I guess we move into our last one here, number 10. And this one, actually, I hadn't heard about this, but I know you've heard about it. And apparently it's unopened PCs. There's a batch of these computers that were shipped from the factory. And by the time they got to their owners, their owners booted them up. They had no idea there was any issues. It turns out there was a malware that had been installed, and they suspect it happened in the shipping containers and not not at the factory that made the, the computers. But they'd installed a malware called Nitol, and um, apparently Nitol was sort of like a Trojan type of malware that allowed them to use your system for a number of different things, including um, DDoS attacks. And its key goal was to spread. So by the time they realized it had happened, it had already spread to millions and millions of computers. I suppose this one seems like it falls kind of right in your wheelhouse. Just a couple things I wanted to say on it quick, though. Um, I didn't find any incidences of this happening on Macs. Now, um, you and I are kind of that PC versus Mac group. I'm not sure why I didn't find any <laughs> find any Mac ones. I have some suspicions. But I, I did find, actually, that this has been happening on a lot of phones and tablets. And there was a couple of iPods, but only a couple that had some issues on them. Um, so I was kind of hoping that, I know you'll have lots to say on this one, but I was hoping you might also tell, say, a, a guy like me who doesn't quite know his way when it comes to these things. If there's a, something I could do from the get-go that could make sure that if I have had one of these things put on my system, I could maybe catch it right off the bat before it, it did more damage. Okay, that's that's a big question to answer. So first off, just in case anybody misunderstood that, you can go buy a brand new computer and it could be installed with a virus on it. That can absolutely happen. And those viruses are typically pretty deep. Sometimes they're in the BIOS even, and they can be very, very difficult to find. So your main line of defense is to basically watch out for any news about that. So if you bought an HP computer or an Apple iPod or whatever, maybe just keep an eye on it. We did have a bunch of laptops come through our office recently that uh, was purchased by a company or one of our customers, and they had actually come with viruses built into the BIOS us that we had to get rid of. And we only knew that because there was a press release about it. We didn't do a check on them, but even if we did, it's pretty hard to find them. It's a long story as to why. But wanting to know who your manufacturers are and watching for any news that they might release about it is important. Yes, we do have a Mac PC 
<laughs> position and and for the most part i i do favor max not in all cases but there's definitely a time and place for them however there's a bit of a comical story and i'm just going to say that it's a story that may or may not be true i understand it to be true but i haven't done all the fact checking that i should do before i say that it is that a bunch of ipods were released this was some time ago i'm thinking five or six years ago that had viruses built into the ipod And it was kind of comical because Apple's advice was basically make sure that if you plug your iPod into your PC, that your PC has the most up-to-date antivirus, you know, software and you'll be okay. Where some of the irony comes from is that the reason why the iPods came with a virus was because the rumor is that there was a PC that was controlling the assembly line of them, and that PC did not have the latest up-to-date virus protection, and that's how the virus got on that <laughs> PC, and then subsequently got on all the iPods. May be true, may not be, I don't know, but at the end of the day, you can buy a brand new product tomorrow, and it can be hacked, or already compromised, I should say. There's one more thing that you kind of alluded to, which is that they may have been compromised in shipping. And there's relatively new technology just in the last year or two that's come out that can actually show that you can hack a phone or computer even though uh, it's powered off. And you can actually get data from it. You can turn on its microphone. You can do certain things depending on the circumstances in the environment and your technology. Even though the device is turned off, that you could, say, load software onto it. And so there is, in theory, a way that you could have a bunch of computers sitting in a shipping container and you could infect them all with a virus, even though they're not plugged in or whatever. Um, Again, it's very theoretical. It's proven in a lab kind of idea, but it does exist. So... I'm not surprised that you can go buy a new product and have a virus on it. That's a bummer, man. <laughs> <laughs> They're everywhere. Just, yeah. Nothing, nothing for me feels better than that. You know, I go in and I, I spend hours deciding which of these systems I want to buy. I'm weighing all the options and everything else. And I finally settle in on this new machine and I get that machine home and I open the box and it's got that, you know, that new smell, like the new laptop smell, which is for a geek. That's pretty nice. Like I love that smell. And then you get it all out and you open it up and just to learn that here I think I'm getting this amazing untouched machine that is, you know, brand new right out of the gate to know that it could potentially have already been compromised on me. That burns me pretty bad. Yeah, I don't like that at all. They're not they're not super common. There's a lot of security around that stuff, but it does happen from time to time and it has been happening more frequently. So one of the stories that I had read there actually had to do with the Xbox One platform, which has become dominantly a Windows ten format and since they had made some recent updates quite a few people have begun to complain online that they're getting hacked so i've been wondering if their push to push out this new operating system has opened a a number of holes to a a lot of things but that kind of conjecture can probably get me in trouble so i'll I'll stop there (laughs) yeah i'm not familiar with any xbox hacks or windows 10 hacks i haven't read about any of that recently so they may exist any new operating system it is typically more vulnerable than uh, more mature operating systems. I'll give you a reason why, and this is one of the reasons why people are a little skeptical as to whether or not airplanes can and can't be hacked. When you release software to the public, you kind of open it up to get hacked. And there's a lot of people out there that try to hack these items just to go back to the manufacturer, the software vendor, and say, do you know that you have a vulnerability here? And sometimes those software vendors will actually pay, Microsoft and Google will actually pay for you to report exploits. And so some people make a living out of just trying to hack this stuff and report it back to the software manufacturer so they can fix it. They're actually doing the industry some good. And going back to the airline is that one of the reasons why security experts do not believe 
believe that they're secure is because they have not opened themselves up to that kind of scrutiny. They have not said, here's a plane, go sit on it and try to hack it. And if you get through to it, let us know. They've kind of gone the other way and said, no, we have our own experts, we know everything, and don't even try because we'll just get you thrown off the plane. And that kind of security approach has proven time and time again not to be the best kind of a security approach and does not give faith into the industry that your systems are in fact secure. So that's why when a new operating system like Windows 10 comes out, it hasn't yet had a chance to get poked and prodded all the ways that security experts would to then report it back and say, hey, did you think of this or that? And then they go and fix it. So it's possible that, that there's more vulnerabilities there than others. All right. Well, I think that brings us to our time. Yeah, yeah, we're just about having to wrap up now. So that was four additional items. I know we went on a few tangents, but there are four additional items that we thought uh, <laughs> to cover that others may not think could be hacked. And then, of course, there were six others in the first episode if you were interested in those. So I guess with that, we uh, thank you for listening. And any last parting thoughts there, Tristan? No, we're good for the day. Well, thank you for listening and uh, have a great week.